there and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Um, as Emily said, we're in part four of our current series called Presence. Uh, so, if you've not been here, here's what we've covered so far. Part one was with Emily back in the middle of February, which seems like a really long time ago, but it really wasn't. And she spoke about the person of the presence. She introduced us to who Holy Spirit is. And amazingly, in like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, really crammed in a whole lot of theology to teach us who Holy Spirit is. Do you remember that if you were here? Uh, and what a great job that was. Pastor Mike then followed with the story of the presence. And that was the morning that all the kids were in. Do you remember the chaos? Do you remember Liam scared about his guitar as Asher ran up and rugby tackled boxes into it? Uh, Pastor Mike took us through the story of how the presence of God was in the tabernacle, uh, in the temple, and now lives in us. Uh, and he did an excellent job with that. Last week, he spoke about the power of the presence. Unfortunately, I missed that, but I am assured it was very, very good. If you were here, is that right? Yeah. I'm very glad to hear that. And now... Uh, for our last three parts of this six-part series, uh, we're going to talk about the pursuit of the presence. And we're going to talk about three areas, three ways in which you can pursue the presence of God in your life. And this morning, it's my opportunity to speak about worship. Oh, yes. Now, two disclaimers that I need to put out there before we go any further, because I'm sure somebody will come to me afterwards and say, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> disclaimer number one, worship is not just the act of singing in corporate worship, okay? It's not only singing. However, I am going to focus on that this morning. Part two is, worship is not about making you feel good. Sorry if that is news to you. I'm not really sorry because it's true. Worship isn't about you at all. So if you come out of church on a Sunday and go, well, worship wasn't great today. I didn't really get anything from it. Uh, good. It's not about you anyway. Okay? Uh, right. We're going to dive into this a little bit. Now, um, I don't know how you feel with, with music, okay? We're not just going to talk about worship. We're going to talk music. M music has different roles in my life, okay? Uh, depending on how I feel determines what kind of music I listen to, right? We're going to run through this a little bit because I know that there's uh, a range of... We'll go music tastes in the room, okay? So, if you are in a good mood, what kind of music do you listen to? Now, guess... Like, looking around... I think there will be a variation of, uh, like, Simon likes the police and Sting, don't you? So I'm guessing that when you feel good, you probably listen to something like that. <laughs> that is a reference that I don't understand. <laughs> um, when Emily's in a good mood, she listens to some more current stuff. Ed Sheeran? No? Oh? Okay, let's try this slightly differently. If someone's in a good mood, anybody listen to Ed Sheeran? <laughs> there we go. Uh, I'll be honest, when I'm in a good mood, I, I listen to Ed Sheeran. I quite like it. Um, I'm, I might, yeah. My dad, when he's in a good mood, listens to Atomic Kitten. <laughs> Genuinely. Sugar Babes, not Atomic Kitten. Sorry, Sugar Babes. Honestly, we, we share an Apple Music account, and when... When Sugar Babes comes on, it's because Dad's been listening to it. <laughs> Honestly. Weird, isn't it? Um, but <laughs> he also listens to a band called Echo and the Bunnymen. Yeah. 
people are saying yes. Like, not good. Right, okay, so when I'm in a good mood, I listen to like uh, upbeat music. When I'm in a bad mood or like not feeling great, um, I listen to like quite heavy rock music. Um, I listen to bands like Bring Me The Horizon. Like the kind of thing that people listen to and go, that is just noise, because there's a little bit of like scream singing. Um, and, and I'll be honest, it, it does make me feel like th this really reflects the mood that I'm in. Uh, and, and I think the truth is that this works for all of us, right? So when you listen to music, generally you listen to music that reflects how you feel, right? If you feel good, you'll listen to upbeat music that makes you go, woohoo, the sun's out, sunglasses are on, la! If you like opera. <laughs> if you're in a bad mood, then you listen to music that really reflects how you're feeling, like, They are my two moods. There's nothing in between. It's either really happy or really sad. <laughs> but in my life, there is a third type of music that I listen to. And this, this normally happens when I'm in a bad mood, but know that I need to get out of it. And I put on some worship music, right? So you may listen. <laughs> Good boy. <laughs> I'm not all bad, honestly. Um, now, I have favorite music favorite worship music that I listen to. Right now, there is an excellent album out by Elevation Worship that's just been released. Loving it. Constantly play it. Uh, I love listening to Bethel music, particularly their live worship, because they don't just stick to a song, but then you hear their free worship, and it uplifts you. Uh, I love listening to Hillsong, Hillsong United, particularly, because it's my generation, and there are a few guys on there that I think, I wish I were more like you. <laughs> it's never going to happen, because I'm not an Aussie, but... But there's loads of worship music out there. Emily listens to worship music that I go, who on earth is this? But it's because she has a much wider variety of music than I do. Um, there will be worship music that you listen to that you know will change you when you're in a bad mood and will lift you into a good place, right? If you know that feeling, please nod at me. Thank you. And here's the reason that worship music can change stuff. Because when you worship, it pulls you into the presence of God. It brings you into what he sees because it's no longer your perspective, but his perspective. And I genuinely believe, and what I'm going to look at this morning, is that there are particularly three ways in the Bible that worship changes us. And here's why. Because in Psalm, uh, in Psalm 22, verse 3, thank you. Psalm 22, verse 3 says, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are, you are the one Israel praises. Uh, let me break this down for you because that doesn't really make sense. Uh, if you've been in church for a while, you may have heard the saying, He inhabits the praises of his people. Have you heard that? This is the verse that it comes from. And here's why. Because when he's enthroned as the Holy One, he's put in his rightful place. Okay? That's where he resides. You are the one Israel praises. Old Testament, the people of God were the Israelites, the people of Israel. And when they praised him, that's when the Holy One was enthroned. Yeah. New Testament means that we have access to that too. Yeah. Okay? So, he is enthroned as the Holy One when we praise him. Yeah. So, he inhabits the praises of his people. He is where we are praising. Yeah. If you are praising, he is there. Does that make sense? Good. So this is where we're going. And this is why worship is an excellent path to the presence. It's a gateway to the presence of God. In the Bible, there are three stories, and we're going to look at them really quickly together, that I believe show us exactly how 
worshipping will lead you into the presence and the impact it can have in your life. Are you happy to go on this journey quickly with me? Great. If you've got a Bible, please would you turn to 1 Samuel 16, verse 14 to 23. We're not going to go through all of these stories in massive detail, but we are going to touch on them a little bit. Uh, Some of you will know the story, some of you won't. We all know who David is, right? Simon spoke about him earlier, the, the boy that took on Goliath. Okay, there's a lot of stories about David in the Bible, and here's another one. Uh, David in Saul's service. It says, now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. Saul was the king of Israel at the time, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, see, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. The lyre, I think, was like a little guitar, but an old school, a harp, a harp, like the one on the Guinness um, glasses is that a liar amazing i don't actually like guinness just to put it out there i just know that when a pint of guinness is poured that's where the foam should settle if you didn't know so saul said to his attendants find someone who plays well and bring him to me one of the servants answered i have seen a son of jesse of bethlehem who knows how to play the liar he is a brave man and a warrior he speaks well and is a fine looking man and the lord is with him Do you reckon the Lord's with him because he's fine looking or he's fine looking? Anyway. (laughs) Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine and a young goat and sent him with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much and David became one of his armor bearers. Not only is he there as a musician, but he's also carrying the king's armor. Hmm. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul, he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Uh, Point one that I want to look at about worship. Worship can change what is going on inside of you. The evil spirit within Saul wasn't on him, it wasn't him it was in him it was something that was happening on the inside and yet when David played and I'm going to throw this out there he wasn't just playing nice music he wasn't just playing Ed Sheeran he was playing worship to the Lord the evil spirit left because when you worship there is something that changes you enter into the presence and when you enter the presence there is a light the Bible describes Jesus as the light he he describes himself I am the light of the world who knows that when there is light darkness cannot be And so the darkness that was that evil spirit, as Saul was taken into the presence of God, taken into the light, that darkness had to flee. Here's what I want to proclaim over you this morning. When you enter into the light through worship, the darkness that you feel, whether that be in your mental health, whether that be in your physical health, maybe that's in your finances like we've spoken about already this morning, maybe it's something that I don't know about, but when you enter into the presence The light is there and the darkness must flee. As you worship, what you are facing inside of you will change and will disappear. It will. Which is why when we've been in worship before, we've seen people released from physical ailments. In Gloucester a few years ago, probably more than a few years ago now, there was a lady that really suffered with bad issues in her back. As she worshipped, those issues went and she ran around church with her friends. Ridiculous. But it happened. Because she was worshipping and what was happening inside her changed because of that worship. That's what the presence can do. And that's why worship is essential. 
Point one, as we look at this, worship can change what is going on inside of you. Number two, worship can break what is holding you back. Uh, we're going to jump a long way forward in the Bible, and we're going to look at Acts 16, 25 to 26. Two verses, uh, but a story that many of us will know, uh, the story of Paul and Silas. Okay, uh, They are locked in a prison cell. In the deepest, darkest pit of the prison, they're chained. They can't really do anything. And yet, verse 24, uh, 25 and 26 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were worshipping. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Put yourself in Paul and or Silas's shoes for a moment. Sat in a dark room with chains. No way out. They've probably been beaten because that's the way that prisons worked at the time. Unfortunately, still do in many places. Um, and yet their perspective wasn't one of, oh, look at us. Woe to us, isn't it bad? But instead, we're going to sing praises. And as they sang, as they sang, an earthquake came, shook the prison, the doors flew open and the chains fell off. I want to declare over you this morning, worship can break the chains that are holding you back. Yeah. They can, and, and, it, and it does. I, I don't know what you're facing. I really don't. And, and so often in our lives, what we face just feels like there is no way out, right? Like it's the deepest, darkest pit. We've already spoken about what's going on inside of you. But maybe there's something that for a long time you felt just has a grip on you. And you come to church on a Sunday and you worship and it feels good. And then you walk out the doors and you feel chained to it again. Maybe it's something that you just never feel like is really left, like you've never been able to get out of it. I, w I want to declare over you that worship can break the chains that are holding you back. Like Paul and Silas, they didn't run from where they were. They actually stayed in the place. And as a result of that, the jailer got saved. But you have freedom this morning, and that freedom can come as you worship. That freedom can come as you worship. So number one, worship can change what's going on inside of you. Number two, worship can break what's holding you back. And then the third story, the third uh, account that I want to look at and, and want to think about is John 4, 19 to 24. Now, a few weeks ago, we spoke about this as well. And it's the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well. Okay, uh, so let me read it because the Bible will do a much better job of this than I will. Verse 19 says, so Jesus had a conversation with this woman. Uh, he said, give me some water. She said, don't you know who I am? I'm a Samaritan. I can't give it to you. You're a Jew. There, there was this rift between the two. Uh, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied. Imagine how that would go down today. <laughs> Believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We, the Jews, worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit 
and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. For a long time, it was believed and it was taught that the only people that could come to the Father were the chosen people, the Israelites. And yet when Jesus came, that changed everything and opened up the doors wide to us. Maybe there, there are people in this room this morning that have got Jewish ancestry. Chosen people. <laughs> right, Emily's family have got Jewish heritage. Uh, but the truth is that when Jesus came, it was no longer just for the chosen ones. It was no longer just for the Israelites. The doors, the temple was flung wide open. The presence of God was wide open for every single one of us. And so this morning, we, the people, have the opportunity to worship. But it's more than just singing songs. It's worshiping in spirit and in truth. So what, what does that mean? Our body, we believe, is made up of more than just skin and flesh. Uh, it's more than just the organs and the tissue within us. There is a part of us that is spirit. And there's not really any kind of clear explanation as to where that sits, what it what it is, what it looks like. But here's the best explanation that I can give you. You know that gut feeling? Like that thing when you, you just know that something's wrong, but you can't put a finger on why? That, that real... Grrr. That's your spirit. And, and something happens when your spirit connects with Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, it, it's... It, when you... In worship, you know that feeling when it's like it tingles or when, when there's a real emotional feeling and it's not because you're upset about something. It's not because something sad's happened in your week. There's just something that's triggered something. Maybe like you've started crying and there's no reason for it. Uh, maybe you're a really emotional person, so you just put it down to that. But you know that there's something more to it. That, that's what it's like when you enter into the presence because your spirit is connecting with the spirit. So when you worship in spirit and you worship in truth, which is an understanding of what you're doing, like you're, you're, you're singing praises to a God because you know who he is. You're, you're, you're singing worship because of a revelation that you've had about what God has done for you. That's worshiping in spirit and in truth. And when you worship in spirit and truth, Worship will change everything. This Samaritan woman understood it long before many other people. It goes on to say, the woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. This woman didn't have the teaching that a lot of the Jews had, and yet she, she understood something far beyond what she'd been taught. She had a spiritual, a, a, an understanding that was spirit and truth. And Jesus replies, then Jesus declared... I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This woman didn't really have the teaching that we have, and yet she understood that something bigger was coming. So imagine what change could happen within you, knowing all these things. Because when you worship, it can change everything. What that doesn't mean is your finances all of a sudden go from being 5p to 5 million pounds in your bank account. Unfortunately, that's not necessarily biblical. 
But what it does mean is that you get a new revelation of what finances actually are. They're a, a means to something. They're not the be-all and end-all. Worshipping changes everything doesn't necessarily mean that in that very moment, the illness in your body is just going to disappear. It can, and I believe it does sometimes, but it doesn't always. What it means is that you get a revelation that actually he is bigger than the title of the illness in your body. So all of a sudden, you're not daunted by it because you know that he is bigger. Worship changes everything means that the mental health issue that you're suffering from or experiencing doesn't have a hold on you anymore. It doesn't mean that the darkness that you feel sometimes is just going to disappear. But what it means is that you know who the light is. And like we've already said, light gets rid of the darkness. So the more time that you spend in the presence, the more the darkness has to flee. The less hold it has over you. So number one, worship can change what is going on inside of you. Number two, worship can break what is holding you back. Number three, worship in spirit and truth can change everything. We do worship on a Sunday because it brings us into the presence of God. What that doesn't mean is that you can't experience the presence of God when you're not here on a Sunday. We call these services encounter services because we genuinely believe that when you walk through those doors, when you enter into a place of worship, corporate worship, when you enter into a place to receive teaching, that you will encounter the presence of God. But it doesn't just have to be when you walk through those doors. When I was preparing this, this thought came to me, and I love it too much not to say it. Uh, an experience here and there of the presence is good. And it is, because that's when you walk away going, well, worship was good this morning, wasn't it? It's good, but we have the opportunity to so much more. We've been presented with the opportunity to live in the presence. We get that opportunity by living a life of worship. In all we do, making sure that we put God in his rightful place in our lives. You see, worship is about singing. Worship is about serving. Worship is how you make sure that you put God in his rightful place in your life. And so in your day-to-day, -day, if you are making sure that he is put above everything else, you will live a life of worship. And ultimately, you will live in the presence. And when you live in the presence, your life will change forever. For the three reasons that we've looked at for so many more, but living a life of worship will lead you into his presence. Day after day after day, hour after hour after hour. So here's a really clear example of what that's looked like in my life, okay? Many of you will know the story of Harry, our little boy. Uh, some of you won't, that's okay. He, um, he is one and a half years old. He's 17 months. Month age, mental limit. Uh, when we found out that we were pregnant with Harry, we were given a diagnosis by the doctors uh, that there was a chance that he wasn't going to be completely healthy. And um, it's hard. 
when you get a diagnosis like that, it's really difficult because sometimes it's easy to believe for yourself. It's really hard sometimes to believe for somebody that's not you. And we had a decision. We had a decision to let our circumstance dictate how we were going to respond or to let what we believed dictate how we respond. So the first thing that we did, we sat in the car, we looked through our phone, (laughs) and we put on a worship song. The diagnosis didn't change, but our perspective did. The doctor's opinion didn't change. They kept saying, you don't know what this is going to look like. And we said, we know. But we believe. We do. And so we would sing songs of worship over him long before he was even born. There was a song called Hills and Valleys by Tyrone Wiles. Constant. Constantly on. Elevation had an album at the time, which was called Grazing to Gardens. We declared it. Do you know what? We didn't live in the moments of worship. It became a lifestyle for us. And it changed something. So when Harry was born and the doctor said, oh, we've got this diagnosis, we were like, yeah, okay. (laughs) And what does that mean? And they said, well, we don't know what it looks like. And we went, that's fine, because we do. We believe in a God who's bigger. (laughs) Every day we worship over that little boy. Not because it's gonna, not because the, the diagnosis changes, but because it puts God in his rightful place over his life. And we say, God is yours. In December 2020, we sat in a room as the doctors gave him CPR time and time again. Oh. And the doctors came in and said, it's not looking good. And we went, okay. But we sang worship through tears, through fear. Because living in the presence meant that there was a change in our life. Hey, this morning, I I don't know what you're going through. I know some of your circumstances, but I don't know the details. I want to declare this over you. If you live in the presence, if you worship in your life, it will change. Your perspective on what is going on will change. 